How's the Dominaria drafting going? It's interesting. I don't know what to think of this format yet, and I've drafted it a bunch of times. I think there's a a big problem in the like mythic uncommon slot. Wingmantle Chaplain, I think, is the name of the card. Is that the one that makes birds? Yeah. And it's really messed up because there is a common defender creature that just tutors a defender into your hand and nobody else wants it unless they also have wing mantle chaplain so if you first pick wing mantle chaplain then you probably have three copies of it in your deck and then you just like make the rest of your deck like the defender creatures that nobody else takes before 10th pick and bounce spells to bounce your wing mantle chaplain and recast it and like a couple of the raised deads in the format uh you know it's really similar to taking like mascot exhibition and strict save limited like you just have it every game and it's like kind of unbeatable it's kind of wild that it makes a bird for all your defenders after it enters the battlefield i know it's not just like the empire answer for defenders no it just keeps going like regardless of order like it's gonna make a bunch of birds just a bunch of birds just as many birds as you can shake, shake a stick at. So I haven't really gotten the opportunity to draft that deck, but I just have been drafting the same deck every single time, which is just some variety of like Demir spells splashing like whatever because Essence Scatter is in the format and Talarian Serpent is really good and casting Raised Deads to get back Talarian Serpent or Talarian Terror over and over again is also really, really good. And nobody seems to be ready to play against that yet. That's the uh, the huge seven drop of Ward too, right? Yeah. I mean, you just like get it to the point where by turn five or six, it like costs one mana and then you have three in your deck because people aren't taking them highly enough and you keep casting them over and over again. And they're so hard to deal with. Yes. Ward is just hexproof that feels a little fairer. <laughs> I mean, in limited, a lot of times it... Yes, if they can deal with it, then it makes them take their entire turn to deal with it. And that's pretty good for you because you're like an essence scatter, like removal spell deck. Like it lets you get away with casting a card drawing spell the turn you cast your terror or the turn after and like turn the tempo around really quickly with that thing. So I've been enjoying that because I like playing that type of deck. I have tried drafting some of the other archetypes and it's the only one that I felt like, oh, yeah, this deck like functions. I like it works. I get it. And my deck is better than most of my opponents. It just has a, a better floor or a better average deck, I guess. Yeah. And the other archetypes seem to have like really easy to hit fail rates. Like Rakdos Sacrifice is like supposed to be an archetype, but it's almost impossible to get Sacrifice Fodder without splashing white in your deck because the ways to make tokens are white cards and white kicker costs on a black common and a red common. But splashing white in a Rakdos deck is really hard unless you get exactly the right dual lands for it because they didn't put in anything like evolving wilds or traveler's amulet or anything like the traveler's amulet that they put in looks at the top five cards of your library and they put in a shimmering grotto and it's like these don't actually work for splashing cards they're they're a not scry shimmering grotto power creep has gone so far and it's it, they put scry on it and it still is a card that you should never put in your limited deck yeah it's not good scry makes it a little closer though what if it had scry two it's closer i put it in when i was splashing three different colors of kicker costs in my blue black deck so you know sometimes you can but i think only in really weird situations and i'm not confident that it was right to put it in my deck then anyways yeah it's a, it's a showing grotto 
yeah. kind of whatever. I mean, I played 18 lands in that deck because I wasn't willing to count it as a land, so. But I do really, really love the blue-back deck, and I really, really love getting Essence Scatter 10th pick, so I'm going to keep playing really? it. As, I don't know what people are doing. Essence Scatter is a reprint. It's just, like, people should know it's good. Yeah, like, I'm in Diamond, which, you know, is not the greatest or anything, but, like... I, I should be playing against people who have an idea of what's going on. Some of these cards are going really late, and I don't really get it. I don't know what people are doing. I don't know. Also, the one thing that also bugs me about the format that I need to figure out, because clearly I'm missing something, but like all of the domain payoffs are aggro cards, and I don't yes. understand how that's supposed to work. Except for the explosive vegetation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't draw you a card. It just costs five mana and is terrible. That doesn't make any sense to me. What annoys me is every time I see Jaya's Fire Nado, mm -hmm. it looks exactly like Unpredictable Cyclone to me. <laughs> like the cycling card. Yeah, that... that's that's art that should go on a five mana red enchantment that does something it, bizarre. Yeah, it's it's exactly what that art is. Uh, yeah, that card is not that good. I mean, it's just a generic five. It's a turn to slag. But I but I think because of the stuff you're like killing in this format. I think specifically because it doesn't really kill Talarian Terror. It's like not <laughs> a thing that you can afford to be playing in a lot of your decks. You can play like one or whatever, maybe. I mean, you're not loading your deck of five mana removal spells anyway. No, and I think the red decks are supposed to be pretty aggressive. Also, the removal spells in the format are really good. Like Lightning Strike is a common. There's a ton of cheap instants. Like the blue black decks that I've been playing, all of your removal is instant speed and, you know, two to four mana. It's the removal in this format is incredibly powerful. So you don't need to go up to the fire NATO. And Hammerhand is in this format too. Yes. I like Hammerhand. But all of the removal is instant speed. So it's very difficult to find yeah, safe windows fair. to Hammerhand people. That's fair. I mean, do you want to just talk about cards? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should kick things off with a Pioneer challenge breakdown you want to make this the longest episode of all time yes i do hey everyone welcome to episode 259 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris castor apple with me is lee mcleod hey lee hi chris how's it going it's going well how's your birthday going oh you told the podcast that it was my birthday mm -hmm. oh no my birthday's fine I, I was in a good mood all day which is nice that's i mean that's the best you can ask for on your birthday mostly yeah that's kind of all i needed it was good I guess we should have thrown you a surprise party when you showed up at home. I should have coordinated I that with fearing. Kenny. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, people were painting my house today, so I don't mm -hmm. know if that would have worked that well. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I had a pipe burst the other night, so oh, no, <laughs> you know, not nearly the extent of damage that you have suffered. We, I woke up in the middle of the night, heard something very loud happening, went down to my crawl space and saw water just shooting straight up into the like floorboard under my bed, but, you know, turned it off within like a minute of it starting up. So, man, are you a light sleeper? I don't think it would have taken me a while, I think, to wake up. Uh, Kristen actually woke up first, and I think I was just like treating it as like, 
this like, to solve itself. I, I mean, I was like half asleep, half awake, like wasn't sure that it was real and was like, that's like thunder or something. Right. And Kristen was like, you need to wake up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do need to wake up, don't I? <laughs> At least you fixed it. That's that, that, I'm glad about that. That's cool. Yeah, I got the water shut off, went back to sleep and then, you know, put in a new fitting and got it all patched up the next day. Why? Well, I- my day was uneventful. I was fearing that you were going to try to sing happy birthday uh, to the podcast, but I think... We don't have the rights. We don't have the that kind of cash to pay the happy birthday song royalty. Isn't that song over 70 years old or 80 years old or 90 years old or whatever it needs to be now? So it's still copyrighted. I think it's basically... It's covered by like the Mickey Mouse copyright extensions, basically. Yeah. That's why when you go to a chain restaurant that sings birthday songs, they all have their own birthday songs. Oh, so they yeah, don't have to pay like... for the rights of the happy birthday song. That's crazy. Who holds that right? I don't know. Also, Happy Birthday is the craziest tune. It's a terrible song. It's just, it's like this funeral dirge of a tune. Like, it is not a happy song. And it starts, it just starts out so low and slow. And then it, like, you have to, like, hit this insane high note that nobody can hit. Singing Happy Birthday, one of the, like, top five miserable, like, party experiences. And even if you can do it well, no one appreciates you. Everybody hates that you tried. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Shall we begin our first iteration of shamelessly stealing from the Dominaria's Judgment podcast and go over the pioneer challenges? Yeah, I was a little surprised we're doing it today because you told me we were doing the set review. I'm like, all right, I'll get that together. Yeah. I mean, we're going to... We're going to do the set review. Find your time. (laughs) But we're doing this first because this is the first weekend of events with the new cards. Just want to check in real quick with the Pioneer format, and we'll go in-depth more in future episodes, but just kind of want to see where we're at. The archetypes are not big, huge, surprising changes or anything like that. Generally, it is, you know, the impact of Dominaria United so far is just that Liliana got stuck into the black decks. So the Rakdos decks all got stronger because they are playing Liliana. Grease Fang did not break into any top eights, but did have some healthy showing up in the top 32s. I think the deck is significantly better now that it gets to play Liliana and is something that I would be interested in pursuing a little bit more. Those are kind of the big new changes. But just to go over Saturday, our top eight was two Rakdos midrange, a Phoenix, a Bant Spirits, a Blue White Control, a Mono White Humans, a Mono Green, and then a kind of weird Is It Pyromancer deck. Just non Phoenix Is It, basically. Yeah, Ledger Shredder, Young Pyromancer, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Treasure Cruise. Yeah, I mean, still good cards, but just not doing Phoenix stuff, trying to avoid all the graveyardy things, all the graveyard hate uh, that gets brought to bear so i don't think anything like super surprising there i i don't have a ton of lessons to take from this if we look into a little deeper into just like the stuff that's showing up the most in that top 32 rakdos midrange uh is it phoenix and mono white humans all had four copies in that top 32 mono green had three and i mean this is really just what pioneer has been these are like not surprising numbers those are the good decks and they're going to show up the most and if we count the pyromancer deck as a phoenix deck it's five phoenix decks even though it's not a real phoenix deck the treasure cruise engine is the reason that deck is good regardless of what your threats are 
Yeah, exactly. Not not too surprising for this one. No, and and really nothing new showing up. Not much in the way of new cards, really, except for Liliana obviously making a huge, huge impact. I will kind of preface the pod saying this was Saturday. The set came out on Magic Online on Thursday with like treasure chests and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's way easier to play with Liliana the Veil than like any other card in the set. That's fair. The one card that really did show up some is like Evolve Sleeper that showed up in a couple of these, the black decks here, not as much in the Rakdos decks yet, but it showed up in significant numbers in standard. The the standard challenges were dominated by Invoke Despair decks featuring Liliana and Evolve Sleeper. So as much as people were able to get their hands on that card, they were winning with it in standard. So a thing to keep in mind, that card is pretty good. Yeah, there is a mono black deck in this challenge. I got 12th. It's like four Evolve Sleeper, mm-hmm. aggro skew with three Shieldreds and four Lilianas, uh, which only plays its Invoke Despairs in the sideboard. It's kind of like an aggro, like a Bloodstoke Champion deck. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the uh, when you could play Smuggler's Copter kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the like one drop Smuggler's Copter Liliana deck would be, I think, very good in Pioneer if you could run that. I'm, I'm interested to see in how, maybe not like mono black specifically, but... I'm interested to see how Shieldred kind of pans out because the stats on that card are quite good. Yeah, it, it's weird because it's a card that you look at it, you're like, ooh, this is going to be good. And then you read the text and you're like, huh, that doesn't do like any of the things that I thought it would. But it's actually just really strong to drain your opponent for a bunch of life over the course of a game. Yeah, it's just Seed Rhino. It kind of is, but like scarier in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it has a lot of synergy with, honestly, it's good against Treasure Cruise too. Like, it is, yeah. And it's good, like, with Fable of the Mirror Breaker, any way that you can draw cards, you you get to recoup life against aggressive decks. I, I do think that card is pretty good. It, it's like, spoiler alert, it has made my list. Oh, yeah. Mine, mine too. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> but what do you want? To tackle Sunday? Yeah, take a quick look at Sunday. There's, there's some Sunday is a wild challenge. Similar in, like, the decks that were showing up a lot. Five Rakdos midrange decks in the top 32. Three Phoenix decks. Bant Spirits had a couple. Mono Green had four. A couple of weirdo decks in the top eight, including Artifact Aggro and Gruel Transmogrify. Not even... Uh, indomitable creativity because you want to run a Seekers Chariot and Courier's Briefcase in that deck, so you you have to run just straight up Transmogrify to do it, which is a deck we've seen a little bit, but we haven't seen it have that much success. Then actually a bunch of mono red aggro and Grease Fang really showing up in the top 32. Four copies of Grease Fang in the top 32. I do think that deck is significantly better with the addition of Liliana of the Veil. That's just like a whole kind of plan on its own, an actually powerful play on turn three that's not reanimating Parhelion 2. And the mono red decks were most were all the burn version of the deck, not the Embercleave version, but cheap cheap creatures and lightning strikes and, and that sort of thing. Eidolons. Yeah. I there's a Phoenix check in some of these deck lists too. It's <laughs> just like a thing that attacks. I don't get that, to be honest, but I did see it in a deck list. I was like, that's... I can't Raging Goblin can't be, like, the best thing, right? Uh, I'm trying to bring this thing back. So, I think that... I don't think that you are trying to bring it back. But I think that it is really hard to stop it from dealing a few points of damage. And it's also pretty good with Kumano Faces Kakazan as just this 1-2. Yeah. 
And I think that the combination of the things you can do with it and every once in a while you might bring it back, but that's not, it's mostly just a flying raging goblin. Yeah. Flying, flying raging goblin. That makes sense. Especially with uh, Kamana faces Kakazan. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to point out from this challenge? I really like the transmog deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it just looks cool. Titan of Industry is what the payoff is. It's not like a Agent of Treachery style deck. Your, your payoff is just Titan of Industry, the Strict Saving card that gives you can a bunch of rhinos. Cast that one if you draw. You're on a Fable of the Mirror Breaker and careful cultivation and stuff. Yeah, one thing uh, this decklist plays is like a, a suite of Planeswalkers, Nissa, Chandra, Luka. And it's odd to me that Jaya didn't make the cut. Because that seems like a card that would be right at home for this deck. Like it's a planeswalker that makes creatures and digs deeper into your deck. Because hmm. uh, Nissa is really just three mana, make some plants. Like you're not putting counters on your dudes <laughs> very often. Yeah. And you, between Courier's Briefcase and Careful Cultivation, like you can play a four mana spell on turn three pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. That could definitely be something that could be pretty strong. You're not prowess like you're not gonna kill them with your prowess tokens that often but they might be enough of a distraction that then you can resolve a transmogrify i mean jaya herself is pretty threatening mm-hmm. that you like if you just put jaya on the board and just start putting tokens into play your opponent's gonna want to interact with something giving yeah. you windows uh, which is honestly a lot more than nissa does because she's so slow true yeah and i mean obviously like almost all of your spells in your deck do trigger prowess so once you get like two tokens in play it's pretty easy to attack with them as three threes they do a lot of damage that's one thing i thought was i I like the look of this deck mostly because it has it's not like all four of someone put thought into this (laughs) and did well and i kind of want to see yeah you know if we can if people can evolve this that's it that the other stuff in the top eight all makes sense to me i think the art the artifact acro deck was the other outlier Uh, i think that was maybe this deck doesn't look like a strong presence in the format. It, it's got some good draws, I think it has, uh, mostly with Michiko's Reign of Truth. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I don't. It doesn't compete very consistently. No, I would not be excited to bring this one to battle. I do love a Bomat Courier, but that's not quite enough to sell me on this deck. All right. Well, shall we move on to our set review then? The main event. The main event. Yeah, next week we can spend some longer on the Pioneer challenges. Yeah. Just kind of to do a quick rundown today. Yeah, because this is going to be a, a heavy one. I can move on to Dominaria United. Perfect. Uh, so format for this one, we each have our top five cards in each color. One of us is going to kind of take point on each color, and then the other one will fill in, recite the list, but just kind of fill in the cards that weren't named by the first person to go. So do you want me to go first on my white cards or do you want to go first with the white cards? I'll go first with white. Cool. What are we going five to one? Yeah. So at number five for white, I have Sarah Paragon. Uh, Sarah Paragon's a two white white, three, four angel with flying. Once during each of your turns, you can play a land from your graveyard or cast a permanent spell with mana value three or less from your graveyard. If you do, it gains when this permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, exile it and you gain two life. Uh, this is a number five right so i was uh looking Mm -hmm. for something that could be a role player and this is kind of in the grindy four drop spot for white decks maybe as a sideboard option maybe in a slower deck Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does have good game text on it 
it doesn't have flash like all of the other four mana three four flyers <laughs> that we've seen in the past but it is kind of like a luracy grindy element mm-hmm. and one of the really wild things about this card is if the card that's being put into your graveyard has flash you can just cast it in response to the trigger oh yeah because it's a triggered ability it's not a replacement effect <laughs> yeah yeah it's so wild uh when i read that i'm like why i don't i don't know which cards that has relevance with because i'm like not building white decks in a format i'd play sarah Paragon. dress down i guess yeah dress down there's the i guess raise the alarm creature in the dominaria limited format oh sure <laughs> if i guess you can assemble that in limited that'd be kind of sick i i think that the raise the alarm creature has constructed application as well but yeah uh but yeah this is just just solid solid creature role player like a luracy style effect without being actual lurus <laughs> yeah i actually think this card is better like i i may be rating it higher than you are just because mm-hmm. uh like i'm i made a number two on my list i think it's legitimately okay. quite powerful mostly given like cards it's surrounded by i think playing it with the uh stuff like the sagas like restoration of Aganjo and fable of the mirror breaker make it really easy to like have a land in your graveyard the turn that you cast this and get immediate value and then also in longer games when you cast this and then immediately cast a saga from your graveyard like that's gigantic the sagas cost three mana and they're a ton of value and as long as the format as long as standard is doing something mid-rangey i think this might be like a really really powerful mid-rangey threat maybe in other formats playing lands out of your graveyard and stuff uh, this will be good enough too but i think in standard this might be like really gross actually yeah i can easily see that i i just the cards like this where they are really powerful uh but don't have like an obvious synergy piece to mm-hmm. me i just have a hard time figuring out what decks they would go in as opposed to like individual card interactions that's kind of where i right one of my flaws as a person (laughs) yeah and i'm specifically trying to work on that because i have missed stuff like asika's chariot in the past and and things like that and i think that this might be you know maybe not quite an asika's chariot but i think along those lines of like immediate value value permanent that's um that does gross things if it stays in play so my number four is a card we talked about last week. It's Guardian of New Benalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the two mana, two, two with enlist. And whenever it enlists a creature, you scry two. And you can discard a card to make it indestructible until end of turn and tap it. This is just the Hallowed Swift Blade replacement yeah. or card for standard. I just think it's like going to show up and be played. It's just yeah. an on rate card. <laughs> I agree. Discard I don't have glowing like, reviews for it. I just know it's going to be... Blank. No, you're not like super hyped to put it in your deck, but it'll show up like next to Rafine's Informant to like try to do graveyardy things in white decks yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's just going to be, yep, this is the card I expect to see. And, you know, you probably won't enlist very often, but it is neat that you can enlist to dig a little deeper. Yeah. It's just that sucks that enlist is so picky. It's so like clunky, you, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't give toughness. You have to use it on something that isn't summoning sick it's just a little too restrictive yeah it can't be attacking so vigilance creatures don't work i know the first time i tried to in limited i tried to use like an untapped attacking creature to do it and realized i couldn't it was like god you just can't enlist anything yeah it's a very specific requirements to join the benelish military it's one of the least satisfying like pseudo banding abilities we've gotten 
you know, like Exalted was like, ooh, wow, I, I love this. And, and Exalted is fantastic. Yeah, Exalted I, is a great mechanic. Few people are old enough to like remember when that set was coming out. But when Exalted was previewed, everyone was like, this is the most garbage mechanic I've ever seen. It's so underwhelming. And then when you actually play with it, you're like, oh, this is great. This is yeah. fantastic. It's it's powerful and it's also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it just gets nothing. It doesn't get my juices flowing in any way. Okay. My number three is going to be Temporary Lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, another card we always talked about because white cards are good this go around. They are. Uh, this is a one white white enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you exile each non-land permit with mana value two or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. So it's a, a huge amount of portable holes. <laughs> Everything must go in the temporary lockdown. I think it's just a good small-scale sweeper for, like, white decks. It, yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah, and it's cheap enough for older formats where those are the permanents that you want to remove from the board. And I, I think it goes back and does stuff, and depending on what shows up from the aggressive decks in standard could see st plenty of standard play and i think it's a nice thing to have yeah i think collins last week made the comparison to hudetsugu consumes all mm -hmm. and that's that's pretty good like hudetsugu consumes all comes down and wipes all the one drops off the board and this comes down and steals away all the two drops so yep. two or ones particularly good against construct tokens yes very good against construct tokens good against like hammer boards generally yeah my number two, where you had Sarah Paragon, is going to be Leyline Binding. Mm -hmm. uh, this is five and a white for a flash enchantment that costs one less for each basic land type among lands you control. It's got domain. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent point controls until it leaves the battlefield. So it's an O-ring with flash. That's six mana, but costs one less for each basic land you have. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's everyone should know this card is good by now yeah uh, it's already shown up and play in modern a bunch and i it's very good yeah i agree i you know i'm most excited about it as a way to put some like cheap useful removal in a cascade deck that doesn't get hit by cascade and we've already seen it some in both glimpse and like four color rhinos but i think it's also going to show up in other spots where for whatever reason like this is solving your problems and you have a lot of basic land types and it can be pretty cheap it's just a very good card yeah it's there's a lot of cool little things you can do with it because it has such a high converted mana cost too mm -hmm. like i lost my train of thought i mean <laughs> you know you can't cascade into it you can sacrifice it to uh enigmatic incarnation that's enough stuff that it's good it cannot be hit by prismatic ending yeah so i mean it's just a good card it's gonna show up it will continue showing up i don't think it is like world endingly good a way a lot of people are talking about it right now but sure. i do think it's quite good <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day it's just a, a one for one removal spell like yeah and an o-ring too so if they do find a way to get rid of it you're back where you were right and it's like not effective at stopping ragavans and stuff it is good at stopping murktide regents so you know mm -hmm. it's a removal spell that's good against some stuff and less good against other stuff that's fine so my number one card, uh, and this is honestly kind of tied with Leyline Binding. I just put this number one to make a statement, <laughs> is Anointed Peacekeeper. Okay. Uh, this is two and a white for a 3-3 three, three with Vigilance, Human Cleric. Uh, as it enters the battlefield, you look at a ball in his hand and choose a card name. Spells they cast with the chosen card name get cost two more to cast. 
and activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two more to activate and less their mana abilities. So the reason I put this semi above Leyline Binding is because I have a lot more respect for a different type of disruptive white creature than just another O-Ring variant. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really saying Anointed Peacekeeper is stronger than Leyline Binding or anything like that, but I do think it offers more to a format. It's like certainly it's not just much more spell. standard relevant than I think Leyline Binding is going to be. I, I think it could be other format relevant too. Like this... The text on this, specifically shutting off activated abilities, is really strong, especially if you anticipate playing against a lot of Liliana the Veil, specifically, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because you can look and see if they have it, and then they just like can't cast it, because you can't... Not only does it cost five mana then, yeah, uh, but if they already have it on the board, it would cost two more to do their Liliana stuff, and if they've already minused it, they'd be having to pay two and discarding a card <laughs> to it's- like take up their Liliana. It's very good against the Wandering Emperor, too. It makes that just, like, not a stopper against your aggro deck anymore if you get to cast this. Yeah. I I like this card a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't ever expect to cast it myself, <laughs> but I like the look of it. I think it adds a little bit of deck-building finesse you can do to a bunch of your, like, mediocre white decks in Modern or Pioneer. Mm-hmm. Uh, even more so than just, like, the straight-up I'm playing mono humans kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Like a death and tax Z kind of deal, even. That makes sense to me. I actually, I have it at number five on my list just because I, I mean, yes, it, it is really good against Planeswalkers and maybe the the power of it against Planeswalkers and some Planeswalkers are going to be very good in the standard Liliana and Wandering Emperor at the top of that list. Maybe that's enough to make it really good. But the fact that you know, if you're looking at their hand and it is a planeswalker and a removal spell, and then they just kill this thing, you know, maybe you didn't accomplish all of that much, but maybe you did screw up their plans enough that it still is good. And if they don't have the removal spell and we're relying on planeswalkers as removal, then it is just very good. So, um, there's, I can there's see also the hidden text on this card too, right? Where you look at your opponent's hand and you don't have a good card you can name. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to name what's in their hand specifically, right? But if it's a scenario you described, like a royal spell and a planeswalker, you're you're like not winning that either way because they can just kill it and move on with the day. But now you know their hand, which mm-hmm. is huge for that kind of deck, because the whole weakness of those decks is you just have to play around stuff and hope it works out for the best. You're trying to make your opponent have the toughest time possible mm-hmm. with like no information at all. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. My number four is Guardian of New Benalia. Fine card. I don't, it's not that big of a deal. My number three is actually Resolute Reinforcements, which is the one in a white flash one one human soldier that creates a one one soldier to- soldier token when it ETBs. It's not like a ton better than a two mana instant that creates two one ones but one of these is a human they're both soldiers i don't know if there's any blink effects i just like this card's gonna see play for as like goofy and little as it is making two bodies and one of them is like on an actual creature and it's not raise the alarm you know there's more synergies with the fact that it is a creature and you know like it works with restoration of a ganjo in a way that like a raise the alarm wouldn't and so there's enough stuff here if this made two humans this card would be absolutely number one on my list like with no no thought whatsoever it would just go there the fact that it only makes one human is annoying it does make two soldiers and we got a soldier lord i don't know what that does 
but I think this card is pretty good. My number two is Sarah Paragon. I think that card's just going to do a lot of work. And then my number one is Leyline Binding. We've already seen it showing up. It's going to be around in Modern for a long time now, and it's hard for me to not put that in number one based on just what it's going to do to that very powerful format. That's fair. No notes. Excellent, excellent white categorization. <laughs> on to blue. I'll take this first. Uh, so my number five blue card is, and I, I I took some some long shots here with my my blue list, but I I think blue had a pretty shallow pool. Like there's some really good cards, mm-hmm. uh, especially reprints, like in a gate and essence scatter, just like putting those back into standard. But those don't like make top five. Yeah, lists. I mean, I essence scatter is going to see a bunch of play. Like it's just going to be a thick a nice curve filler for decks. I didn't put it on my list because you know you know when you want essence scatter. My number five is founding the third path, which is one in a blue for a saga with read ahead, so you can start at any chapter. Chapter one, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value one or two from your hand without paying its mana cost. Chapter two, target player mills four cards. Chapter three, exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy. You have to be doing something where milling yourself for four cards is a good thing for you. That's not a big stretch, though. Like, there's a lot of decks that that or there's a lot of payoffs for that, even if it's just I have treasure crews in my deck. Uh, and then it kind of like if every, if the stuff works out, it like gives the mana back, it gives the card back, it gives you some card selection, it gives you a mill, it gives you an extra prowess trigger because this thing is a prowess trigger. And it's cards like this that can really like smooth out a whole deck and give you powerful draws. It, it's it's not mana morphos, but it like contributes in a manamorphose like role potentially to a deck that's just trying to like keep casting spells and getting benefits just from casting spells i think my biggest fear of it is that there's just a lot of like intersection points where things could go wrong mostly that like it doubles down on your needing your graveyard to be available to you for your cards to work and if you're already doing like treasure crews or whatever using your graveyard and then their unlicensed hearse is also shutting down just this like two mana spell in your deck, then that's a big problem and you may not be able to commit that hard. But in an ideal world where nobody's doing that stuff to you, this is a pretty powerful card that I, you know, when things are working out, it does a lot of good stuff. Also, if you're ever trying to cast a Demi Lich, this is this is how you get there. This is what you're doing. Yeah, I, I will never be trying to cast a Demi Lich. Uh, I also saw Aspiring Spike playing this with, I think the card is like See the Unwritten or something. It's like one in a blue. You look at your top three, put one in your hand, and the other's on the bottom of your library. And if you cast it from anywhere other than your hand, oh, you, you draw sure. three. And it was bugged on Moto, so you didn't actually draw three when this thing casted. Wow. So that was very disappointing, and uh, we, we did not play a second game in that league after <laughs> realizing that was what was going on. Although, after like watching that happen, I was like, wait, wouldn't you rather just cast an expressive iteration the first time and then flashback the expressive iteration with the third chapter? Like, is drawing three one time actually better than just having a bunch of expressive iterations in your deck? So, I mean, if you can play this with expressive iteration and just get extra expressive iteration casts, that's pretty neat. That's only for modern though, right? I don't think modern... I don't know if this is a modern power level. I, so, it's like free enough that... I'm not like 
totally writing it off, but it those interaction points are scary enough that I think it probably doesn't get there. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of how I see the card. Like it doesn't do enough for the cost, is what yeah, I feel. I think that that may be right, but introducing the that milling into you, especially with this next card on my list, and this may be a way of enabling this card even in standard. The next card on my list is Talarian Terror which is six in a blue for a five, five with warden two. And it costs one less for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Boy, this is the only spell that I want to cast in Dominary United Limited. And you're like, it's like hard to fill up your graveyard with instants and sorceries in Limited. This is not Merktide Regent, but it has a lot going for it. It's in the right color for this sort of effect. It doesn't use up your graveyard. It is pretty hard to kill that ward on what is effectively a Ward two on a creature that you're spending one mana on most of the time is very effective. It also is immune to fatal push and other common forms of removal. Like you need to be using one of your dread type removal spells on it. And I really like this card. Oh, I, I like this card a lot too. I have this as my number five and I expected to see there's that weird place in Pioneer where you, in the blue-red decks, you're like looking for something that like kind of can use the graveyard but doesn't really need to because you want to be able to use your treasure cruises and stuff like that. And I think this card is something I'm interested in trying out in that slot, seeing if it's you know if it can pass that test. Yeah, it does still suffer when they you know have a rest in peace or whatever. Yeah, if they're attacking your graveyard hard enough, and then this is doubling down on your you know that can be bad. But when things are working and this is like you cast this and then you cast your treasure cruise like you're doing it so i don't, I don't know if it'll cast cut the mustard there but i do want to see i think it's strong enough text and can be all the way down to one mana kind of like where there's an affinity for artifacts serpent in kaladesh that was double blue so it could never really see play because it was always capped at two mana and this one doesn't have that problem. Right. The fact that you can do like full Gromag Angler mode with this and it just costs one mana, I like, I really like that. Mm -hmm. My number three is, and this is like purely a standard thing, but my number three is Rona's Vortex. Blue mana to return a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Kicker of two and a black. If you paid the kicker cost, you put it on the bottom of their library instead of bouncing it. Just the flexibility of this thing is so good. The fact that it can also hit a Planeswalker is, you know, they resolve their Liliana against your reactive blue deck. That's bad. You can put it back in their hand for a blue mana and kind of like force the, you know, they they forced it through or whatever. And then you can sort of redo the exchange. Playing bounce spells against the Liliana deck is not the most exciting thing. Are we but... doing the classic bounce spell trick where they plus their Liliana with no cards and you bounce it to their hand and get them? I, we only ever did that with like cryptic command before, yeah. but this, you know, one, one mana to do it. And then once you get past a few turns in the game, you don't need that tempo boost of the one mana spell. Uh, and then it's just four mana to to kill anything and get rid of it. It doesn't go to the graveyard. You don't trigger any any dies effects or anything like that. Like it's also really nice to have an unsummon in a format where Fable of the Mirror Breaker is probably still the best card. So I like this card a lot. Yeah, unsummon not <laughs> Fable of the Mirror Breaker is quite good because you can't just unsummon the problem away, but it is still nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're still dealing with the rest of the card, but the first the first steps of dealing with a Fable of the Mirror Breaker is don't let them get a treasure token. It, it does suck that you, you'd have to use the, the four mana mode on the 
reflection of Kiki Cheeky because you're not putting that back in their hand. That's for no, sure. No, nope, no, nope, that's a bad idea. My number two is Haughty Jin. One blue blue for an X4 power is equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard, and your instants and sorceries cost one less. I don't really know exactly where this goes. It wouldn't surprise me if like this just kind of never works out. But I do love a Drake's deck. I love casting a card like this and then, you know, doing the Hinata thing and just having a negate up for blue is very satisfying and very powerful. And five instants and sorcerers in your graveyard and this kills them really, really quickly for a three mana creature. I, I like that a lot. I, yeah, I, I kind of expect this to never see play mm-hmm. just because it's a little too weirdly statted. It doesn't protect itself and all that stuff. But I hope it does because I would like playing with it. There's really strong play patterns with it, and it it's also cost reducer. goes pretty well. And it like you can be running negate and essence scatter both in your deck, and then anytime you pass the turn with this one blue mana up and a negate and an essence scatter in your hand, like you're in really good shape there. Yeah, that is cryptic command mana. So <laughs> yeah, I mean you're a heavy blue deck when you're playing this card, regardless. Yeah, that that is the downside of it. If it were two in a blue, mm-hmm. I think it'd be extremely strong. Yes, but. The, the double blue here, and you're basically requiring another color of mana that's to pre- do a thing. Pretty is, fair. I think where the that, that's where it falls off for me. Sure. I, I hear that. And then my number one is Ether Channeler. Two and a blue for a 2-1. When it ETBs, you can bounce a non-land permanent. You can make a 1-1 bird, or you can draw a card. That's just an incredible set of options for an ETB on a 3-mana creature. You love having that bounce effect, and then you love having good options for when that bounce effect isn't good. Uh, Whether we're getting this with Collected Company, playing it with Ephemerate, just casting it straight up in standard to bounce tokens and things like that, or Planeswalkers, or whatever... uh, I think that this card is really, really strong and really flexible. Like, you're never unhappy to draw it. I mean, yeah, that, that card, Aether Channeler, is really good. It's just really flexible. Mm-hmm. It, it is not my number one, it is my number two, but I, I agree. You can also bounce your own stuff with it. So, in a blinked deck, it has like that much extra value attached to it when it's like, I got to reuse this Eternal Witness late in the game. Oh, this just lets me do that. But, like, you know, it's a small thing, but it's like this card does all of the stuff, and that's really impressive. Yeah, I think in older formats, it's like a really valuable one or two of, mm-hmm. like, because it does so many different things, but it doesn't super punch up like the way Reflector Mage can disrupt your opponent and be huge on the battlefield. Yeah, that's like that's I think fair. this is a really good value add, but not a like a four of staple kind of deal, is where I see it. Right, but having access to it increases oh, your range of stuff you can do with your your soul tender and stuff so yeah. it's also sized to be tutorable with imperial recruiter or recruiter of the guard whatever you're doing if if you can put that together somehow sure i mean like a lot of blink creatures are but it's kind of nice that it is i'd be down for recruiter of the guard being printed into modern that'd be nice yes i mean i don't think you can when solitude is in the format but bring it no no thank you uh my number five was Tolarian terror uh, the instant sorcery card. Mm-hmm. My number four is Haughty Gen, the card, the cost reducer gen. My number three is Joint Exploration. This is more of a standard mm-hmm. uh, pioneer card. This is one in a blue for an instant that you scry to, then draw a card. Uh, it's got kicker for a green, and if you kicked it, you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it's it's a three mana growth spiral with like a scry attached to it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of like this 
it's not the right cost for a growth spiral effect, mm-hmm. but for any teamer blue green more digging for specific card combo things needs a lot of mana these i know that's a lot it sounds like a really specific ask but there's a lot of these kinds of desk decks i have played that yeah. this card would be like a consideration in uh, i think it's actually quite fine like wilderness reclamation would play this card if it were legal in yeah. pioneer yeah you're totally right i also kind of really love the concept of this card in like a haughty gin Talarian terror kind of deck because it can be the thing you want it's like okay well i need to get up to a couple extra mana to protect my thing or you know once i have my haughty gin out this is just blue it's just instant speed preordain like that's very Mm -hmm. good it is very good yeah i i think this card is very specific in uses like you have to be a deck that wants to put lands into play and then play a longer game, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very specific kind of situation. But is that that's it's one of the few cards that like can do that along with Growth Spiral. Sure, and it's much better later than Growth Spiral is. Yes, much worse on turn two. Yeah, obviously much worse at being Growth Spiral. But Growth Spiral <laughs> is is truly messed up. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I. I and I wonder like because there's some big ramp payoffs in this set too so i want or in this format and and in the set we have the world spell at seven mana in green probably if you are doing that like this may be a component to that so i I could see this card doing quite a bit yeah that that would be neat i would play some world spell in standard yeah (laughs) Uh, my number two is ether channeler that's the two in a blue two one that does a bunch of moodle kind of play stuff and my number one is impulse mostly because i'm glad i can finally play it uh, i played will you though so i asked myself this question and then i answered that i have cast shimmer of possibility like <laughs> yeah you just get to slot it into lotus field <laughs> if you ever play that deck <laughs> yeah and i don't know maybe you can do something else with it I, who cares but basically i'm just so happy i don't have to play that stupid sorcery speed version of this card <laughs> this is a very personal ranking of this card yeah also, I like the new art. The new art for Impulse is nice. I do not like the old art of Impulse. Yeah, that's fair. I, I've been casting a lot of Impulse in the limited format because, you know, I'm just trying to get six spells in my graveyard and cast one mana Talarian Terrors, and I've been very happy with casting Impulse. Getting a look at four cards is like... Yeah, it's great. Anticipate was garbage, and I cannot believe I ever played it in a standard tournament. <laughs> I, I mean, I did once, right, when Cons of Turkey was around. And sure. We stopped. And I don't know that, you know, outside of dedicated combo decks you can afford to like pay two mana for card filtering anymore because there's some like gnarly stuff happening at two mana killing you yes so you usually need to be essence gathering something or killing something or whatever and at least with this one i can actually have impulse up and one of those two cards that's true that's a very classic like mode of gameplay and once you have your hot agent in play impulse for one mana is pretty good yeah it's, it's very strong. They don't print cards like that. No, they don't. And finally, when I cast it, look at the top four cards of my deck and say impulse, people just know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> Nobody needs to read. Well, I mean, I'm sure at this point people need to read impulse. There's a fair amount of people who have never gotten to cast that card before. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think the only the last time I cast it was in Battle Bond Limited because <laughs> it wasn't that I, ju- I just like impulse. That's it. Yeah. That's fair. You never have to cast Anticipate or Shimmer of Possibilities ever again. 
So, did you have any honorable mentions for blue, or should I move on to black? I mean, I mentioned Essence Scatter. Like, sure. I'm going to be casting yeah. a bunch of Essence Scatters in this format. Season two of the Arceus is standard, so we'll have to care a little more about that. You know, after we get past the the pioneer of it all. Yeah, there is, you know, it does face a problem of a bunch of very significant permanent threats are not creatures. And if you're holding up Essence Scatter and then they go Fable of the Mirror Breaker or Wedding Announcement or Kaido Shizuki or, you know, whatever. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that's like, well, I can't Essence Scatter that and it will kill me in two turns, so. Yeah, yeah, that is one of the issues. <laughs> All right, so uh, Black, I started with an honorable mention here. I'm going to shout out Pilfer. This is the one in a Black thoughtsies but you don't lose two life mm -hmm. uh this card's not remarkable to me but i did want to mention that the art is adorable and it calls out tiny bones tiny bones text. i know so you know big shout out to the creative team for it's connecting that exciting. jump short flavor arc to the merchant it was nothing more than a few missing trinkets but to tiny bones it was the greatest heist of all time <laughs> What great I, flavor type. And I look like Tiny Bones is just trying to feed his family. So any any Tiny Bones heist, we can always get behind. But onto the real cards. Mm -hmm. I've got Evolved Sleeper as my number five. We mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit in the Pioneer short. It's just showing up. It's a good one drop. It it's uh God, I have to read this card. Okay. I can so. I can read it. It's my number one, so we can have me like go over it when we, we do my list if you want. No, I'm, I've got <laughs> if you this. want to punt on it. <laughs> So it's black for a 1-1 one, one human. It's got that, you know, figure of destiny vibe where it's got three different activated abilities. You just the keys off the last one. So black, it becomes a 2-2 two, two human cleric. A one and a black, put a death touch counter on it. It's a 3-3, three, three, and it's a Phyrexian human cleric. Uh, then you can pay one black black, and if it's a Phyrexian, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, you draw a card, and you lose one life. You can activate that one as many times as you want. <sighs> okay, take it away. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, this is my number one. I think that it just is a highly effective one-mana spell that you can put into your deck, and it performs at a bunch of stages of the game. It is slightly awkward if you're really trying to, like, use it as a battlefield presence in early turns, and I don't think it's, like, a huge addition to your Bloodsoaked Champion-type decks. It's, like, fine there. I think it's just great as a mid-rangey card that lets you just toss your extra mana into it they have to do something about it it's like best friends with liliana and it's going to do a ton of work in any format where you want to cast liliana i think the rakdos decks and pioneers should be running more of these than they are right now and i think we'll see those numbers tick up over time but even right now at a bare minimum like 50 percent of the standard challenge was mono black with four evolved sleepers and lilianas so this card's already just immediately upon printing doing a ton of work yeah, so my reason this is so low for me is mostly because I've got this nagging. I think this card's good. I agree with everything you've said. But outside of standard itself, which I think it's incredible and like phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think it'll, I don't know. I just have this feeling it's not going to be nearly as impactful as I think it needs to be. Mm -hmm. uh, especially in Pioneer where there are a lot of cards that it, it's not like directly competing with it, anything, but the way you have to build your deck to capitalize on its play patterns is not immediately apparent. Mm -hmm. So I've, that's why I've got that reluctance for it. I don't, I don't think it's bad by any means. Uh, it just, I don't know, something, something tells me it's not the 
the best. I, I hear you. And I don't disagree with that. And I think if Liliana hadn't been printed in this set, I'd be in a really similar spot. But I think it's just going to be like an eight pack with Liliana of the Veil a lot of the time and be really effective as a package, like in Pioneer in particular. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my number four is really boring. Honestly, it should have been my number five. It's cut down. Mm. This is an instant destroy a target creature for a single black mana. A destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. So this is just like your extra copies of your early game removal spell like Fatal Push. Uh, in Pioneer specifically, in, in Standard, it's very good. Yeah. In Pioneer specifically, it has the weird thing where we've learned how to turn on Fatal Pushes with our Treasure Tokens and our Blood Tokens. <laughs> so we're not really looking to be more efficient than Fatal Push. It's just to shore up any early game creatures that are hard to, to get around. The only thing I can think of that it kills that Fatal Push doesn't in older formats is like exactly Solitude, which is not the thing that we're going for here. So yeah. yes, I think that Fatal Push is more or less strictly better than this card. Right, yeah. It's just extra copies. Like if you ever wanted, I think this card's better than Disfigure for the most part. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's how, how I see it. And it's going to see a ton of play in Standard. It lets you play against the aggro decks starting on turn one which is really really important so yeah it's really strong for standard uh my number three is liliana of the veil i didn't want to put a reprint that high <laughs> it is still very good and we already know how good it is in modern well it's, it's been better in modern but in pioneer it's starting to see its waves and people are starting to play a bunch of copies of it and i think they should uh we'll see how the format develops it's incredibly strong in standard yeah, I think it's going to be better in standard this time around than it was on its its first go around. I think we said that too, right? Because you, you don't have to deal with all the stuff that was in the previous <laughs> Innistrad standard format where every card had flashback and or was Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, sna there was Snapcaster Mage Lightning Bolt in that format, which is a pretty chaotic thing to have to deal with as a Planeswalker. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to save my top two spots for new cards that I thought could take the cake mm -hmm. so my number two is shadow prophecy okay uh this is a two and a b instant with domain so you look at the top x cards of your library uh, where x is the number of basic land types you control then you put two of them up to two of them into your hand and the rest is your graveyard you lose two life i've played read the bones <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> and this card uh, i've also played the painful truths right the draw three version with converge i think that mechanic was yep pay a bunch of colors for it uh this one's a little more restrictive you do have to actually have basic land types but it is an instant which is really large and you get a, a big amount of selection if you're willing to dip a little deeper into your basic land count and it dumps the but, other ones into the graveyard like yeah. all the knobs kind of get turned for this one yeah it also goes the cards go to the graveyard that mythical blue black phoenix deck where you're just like looking for stuff to do. Yeah, I, I'm not saying this goes in it, but like yeah, I anything mean, hard for the any phoenix deck to fit in the land types. But I I do agree that this one is powerful. I have been casting it a lot in the limited format, and it's very satisfying to do. I'm not sure, given the existence of you know turn threes like fable and you know what you know it's all on board stuff that's doing yeah, your that's card fair. churning and so casting a spell that doesn't do anything on the board but you know if you're a deck that's just all reactive stuff and this helps you dig for whatever I, like i could see it but i generally want to do board stuff with my card drawing unless i'm casting like exactly memory deluge 
I say this is like a pieces of the puzzle kind of role mm-hmm. where you are like pieces of the puzzle also doesn't add to board, but it, it's trying to dig you to a board. Yeah. Uh, in a specific way. And I don't I'm not saying Shadow Prophecy should go to Phoenix, but anything that you can use the graveyard for and you need selection to find specific cards, Shadow Pro- in black is going to be a hard effect to do. This might open up the ability to treasure crews in decks that are not like interested in pieces of the puzzle you know so you know. yeah i think if you i mean if you're playing blue black control the two life does matter a lot more sure. than it does in something like phoenix but one of the worst parts about the blue black control decks is that your delta spells just never get on very early right like you can't refill uh and you can throw this in like esper or grixis and try to do something with it. that's a little better yeah i think it's it's really tough unless you can kind of reliably do it for four that's where it's like oh yeah this spell is good if you can go four deep and put two cards into your graveyard and this like so three cards total in your graveyard and then two in your hand so that's going to require some triome work and stuff hmm, yeah that, that's interesting i'm i i like the look of this card i i think i've maybe rated a little too higher mm-hmm. highly but i i want I think, this one to be good for sure yeah, i i do want this one to be good and then I'm going to skip over this Cleric Lord, <laughs> which is right next to it on Scryfall, which, <laughs> yeah, that, Watsi, what, what are you doing? <laughs> the Cleric Lord with, like, a Natural Order ability did not quite make my list. That's uh, unreal. But my number one is Shieldred the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, which is a 2EB 4-5 for a legendary Phyrexian Praetor with Death Touch. Uh, whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. Whenever an opponent draws a card, they lose two life. Uh, we, I refer to this as the Siege Rhino in the Pioneer section. That's that's where I stand on it. It's huge. Like, for Standard and Pioneer, I think, this this card is gigantic. It is. Like, I know that Kalidus has lifelink inherently and does stuff if you, like, follow it up with the rules, but Unclease is very good, right? But this card can like give it a run for its money mm-hmm. it does a lot yeah and the more your opponent is like going off like Kalidus doesn't do anything against like you know lotus field or something like that i i played a pioneer tournament this past weekend i played with a grinning ignis burgy combo deck yeah uh we lost in the top four it was very sad Aww. but i won two different matches where my opponent had Kalidus in play and I just killed them. Mm-hmm. If they had Shieldred in play, I was unable to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it interacts on an axis against decks that you, like against decks that a, a deck casting a two BB creature would generally like kind of struggle against so that it has a lot of neat potential there. Yeah, I, I just really like this card. I think it's so it's just so big. Like it's a four or five for a black creature. Like mm-hmm. if, if it was a green creature, it's like whatever, you know, old growth drills three mana for a four, four. Who cares? But this is a black creature. Yeah. They don't get stats like that very often. Yeah, I like this creature too. All right. So on my list, I gave an honorable mention to the Raven Man, partially because I love the name the Raven Man. A one and a black, two one human wizard at the beginning of each end step. If a player discarded a card this turn, create a one one black bird creature token with flying and this creature can't block. And then it has an expensive activated ability to make each opponent discard a card. I don't think this card's actually good, but in standard, it's a nice turn two before you cast Liliana. And that is like Liliana is so good that then I think this becomes at least playable. So 
it also combos with random stuff like specifically the channel lands if either player channels anything you get a bird yeah unless they channel in the end step and then in the end step yes then you're out of luck but if you cast this then their fable of the mirror breaker like gives you a bird you know you just like eke out a little value over the course of the game i think it's like fine it's not a good card but it's fine no i've actually seen it pop up in the standard results Mm -hmm. uh just people trying it out I don't think that'll last very long because it is mostly a goblin piker. Yes. But it, if the birds could block, it would be so It would worth be looking really at. good, yeah. But like, it, they don't, so. You know, I played Murmuring Mystic in standard to block with birds, and that was a four-mana card. And if you could block with these birds, this card would be very strong. Are, like, ravens against blocking? Are they? I know ravens are very smart birds. I think it's more Do that they... this is a two-mana creature, so they can't let it make a bunch of blockers. <laughs> Yeah, heaven forbid they make a two mana two one that can make a bunch of blockers with a specific condition. Uh, what what type of card? What card have they ever printed that could do that? That I I can't think of one. Nothing comes to mind. Well, then let's move on to my actual top five of black cards. Okay. Uh, so my number five is the cruelty of Gix, which is definitely a speculative pick. But the first time this got cast against me in limited, I like panicked. Because I was like, oh my god, that's so much value. But then my opponent did read ahead and just reanimated a creature that I had a removal oh, spell wow. for. So I was like, whew, okay, we dodged it. But like this on the stack was the most terrifying thing that I had ever seen. And so that made me like think about this card more. This is three black black for a saga with read ahead. One target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a creature or a planeswalker card from it. That player discards that card. Two, search your library for a card. Put the card into your hand. Then shuffle. You lose three life. Three, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So I think that the mo- the level of modality that this spell has, combined with the fact that we do have some very reanimatable creatures in standard, particularly uh, particularly in Titan of Industry. So if your deck is Liliana, very good at discarding your Titans of Industry from your hand, this thing can bring it back. And so you get the benefit of running a reanimation spell that can immediately bring it back on turn five. And then if that didn't work out and you're playing a grindier game, then this card grinds really, really hard. Uh, Whether it's tutoring for what you need and then, you know, you get a reanimation out of it. Or if you're really playing a slow game and you want to take a creature or planeswalker out of their hand and that just represents a lot of value and is just like a hammer at five mana that also can just be like, yeah, I discarded my Titan on turn three and now I'm going to reanimate it on turn five and like good luck beating that Titan of industry. Yeah, I did look at this card while i was looking at the black cards and the way i evaluate the read ahead sagas is mostly like i really want to get the value as many chapters as possible yeah and the chapter one stopped me because i think that's a pretty low value chapter in turn five sure but i think you're you nailed the just read ahead chapter two most of the time mm-hmm. or three like you use it as a reanimation spell you're good if you need to, you can go tutor into reanimation spell. That sounds like really strong. Yeah, I, I think it's a, you know, it's a reanimation spell that isn't blank when they have messed up when you haven't drawn the right cards or they've messed with your reanimation stra- strategy. And that's pretty good, I think. So for standard, I'm not trying to do this anywhere else. It costs five yeah, mana, of course. but of course, you know, in a grindy standard, I, I'm into this. My number four is actually pilfer. I think that nice. I think it's actually going to be important because 
there are approximately 10,000 three-mana cards that are incredible, and, like, a lot of decks just don't have two-mana plays that matter. And so a two-mana play... standard, yeah. Yeah, in standard. And so a two-mana play that stops their busted three-mana play, like, you get their Fable, they don't have a good turn three, and then you cast Fable. It's like, wow, I... Really glad I spent my turn two on Pilfer. I'll continue taking three damage from your tenacious underdog until you get outvalued this game. So yeah, I, I think Pilfer's fine. My yeah. honorable mention was to draw attention to other stuff, but yeah. I mean, it is always going to be a card that sees play in standard. I just mostly evaluated for a pioneer. I think mm-hmm. I'm not in standard mode yet. That's fair, and I, and we have thought season pioneer, so not a lot of place yeah, for exactly. this card. <laughs> Uh, my number three is Shieldred. I think she is. I agree that she is very strong, but I, I guess a four mana creature only gets so high on my list most of the time. But I think she is a good one and plays really well with your Fables of the Mirror Breaker against your opponent's Fables of the Mirror Breaker. They lose two life on their draw step and then they're like fable draws them two cards and they lose four more life they might just die they're in a lot of trouble after that my number two is cut down just think it's really important for standard and standard only and my number one is evolve sleeper just this one mana thing that slots into a lot of places and is good friends with Eliana. i'm super into now let's go to my favorite color red is so sick in this set yeah i think black and red are both pretty good Mm -hmm. but I'm a big fan of a bunch of the red cards. The red cards are really cool as well as being good. So They're hot. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) You got me there. So my number five is a goofy one. So this is Yosha Declares War. This is a one in a red mana saga with read ahead. One, you create an Ornithopter token, O2 flying. Uh, two, tap any number of untapped artifacts you control. When you do, Yosha declares war, deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker. Three, up to one target artifact you control becomes a creature with base power and toughness for four until end of turn. Yeah, I don't think this is like an incredible card. I think that it just has some really nice synergy things with various artifact decks, whether you're like doing weird value combo-y stuff or you are just trying to kill your opponent with it. You know, it gives you a turn of just being a removal spell and also i could not stop looking at the stupid hex parasite deck that is so much better now that it has access to this card alongside urza saga but you know obviously i'm blinded by how funny and cute that deck is and this card probably isn't actually that good but i'm just kind of into it what is the hex parasite aiming to do just remove counters from make ornithopters and contract tokens well okay so you get to like keep hitting I mean, depending on what your opponent is doing, but you get to keep having the removal spell turn and just killing your opponent's stuff with your artifacts. I mean, the the primary synergy is that you're an Urza Saga deck, so you can just keep doing that. And And what you can do with it is you can keep getting the third chapter of Urza Saga, but not sacrificing your Urza Saga. So you get to keep grabbing one mana artifacts out of your deck. It's really cute. Okay, that's... I did have this as an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. I like this card. There are some artifact aggro decks in Pioneer that, I mean, we talked about one a little earlier. It uses Womack Carrier and mm-hmm. enchantments like uh, Michiko's Reign of Truth. Mm-hmm. And Yoshi Declares War is not that bad. Like, it does a lot of stuff for two mana. And yeah. Just putting stuff on the board is pretty good. Like, the Ornithopter into the Riddle Spells is good enough for me in that kind of shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's something here. 
It might not be good enough in the end, but it is, you know, worth messing around with. Like, it's not a slam dunk the way Mitchko's Reign of Truth is. Right, right. My number four is Phoenix Chick. Red for a 1-1 flying haste. Can't block. Whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you can pay red red to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. Tapped and attacking with a plus one plus one counter on it. Honestly, flying raging goblin is like good enough to make the standard red aggro deck something I want to look into, especially given the existence of Kumano Faces Kakazan and the synergy between these two cards. Like there's a lot going on there. This is just some amount of gar- almost guaranteed damage. Or if they use their cut down on it and then don't have it for your two mana creature, that's a good exchange for you too. And just having something good to cast on turn one is incredibly important for that kind of deck. And also the fact that we got Lightning Strike is very important for that kind of deck. So I think Phoenix Chick has legs, wings, whatever. Little talons. (laughs) To To the Phoenixes have large talons. Well, it's a chick. Yeah, so not that large. Yeah. One damage. One day, maybe. Yeah. It evolves into a a stronger Phoenix. A 2-2 Phoenix. Yeah. My number three is Jaya, Fiery Negotiator. Do I have to read this one? Yes. Dang it. All right. Two red red, four loyalty, plus one. Create a 1-1 red monk creature token with prowess. Minus one. Exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one. You may play that card this turn. Minus two, choose target creature and opponent controls. Whenever you attack this turn, Jaya Fiery Negotiator deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature. Minus eight, you get an emblem with. Whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy it twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. In a deck that is spell heavy, particularly a standard deck, because this is, a, you know, not the strongest Planeswalker, but we don't have a ton of good options for like four mana planeswalker value engines in red in standard. If you have a lot of spells, create a couple of 1-1 prowesses. That's terrifying. That's assuming that they then dealt with your Planeswalker that was plussing to create those prowess creatures. This just creates a lot of value and can hit pretty hard. And you untap with it and you can you could use it to start drawing cards if you're low on gas. And it does a lot for four mana. I, I really like this card. Mostly just the first two abilities. Yeah. I think it's harder to use the when you attack you hit something for sure that, that's like pretty difficult to use i mean it, it can come up i suppose like it's on the card it's a lot mostly, worse than a chandra torch of defiance minus yeah. mostly i just want to use this to alternate plus ones and minus ones mm-hmm. like i want to be making card creatures and drawing cards yep and it's pretty good at both of those things notably this has already gotten a top eight in the pioneer challenge it was a three of in the sideboard of a phoenix deck <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Doesn't use the graveyard, creates threats that work really well with your cards, and is just a great, ju- like, it's a way better juke against a blue white deck or something controlling than, like, Chandra Tor- Torture Defiance, because it works yeah. with all your other cards. It's also, if they have a clean answer to Chandra Torture Defiance, like an O Ring or whatever, it did nothing. You, like, got two damage out of her. If they have a clean answer for Jaya, it's not really a clean answer right there's still a token on the battlefield that token does have prowess so it represents more than just like one damage right yeah i love this i mean my favorite thing to do just one of the most rewarding things is juking properly against your opponent's sideboard cards and they play a rest in peace against your phoenix deck and you're like i do not care about that my hand is like narset sahili whatever yeah exactly (laughs) and i think this is a good way to dodge a lot of the stuff yeah, I, I was really low on Jaya when I first read her because I was comparing her a lot to like standard Chandra Torture Defiance, but 
I, I think she is pretty good. Yeah, I'm into her. My number two is Rundvelt Hordemaster. One and a red for a 1-1 Goblin Warrior. Other goblins you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever it or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin creature card, you may cast that card until the end of your next turn. Just everything sort of works right for this one. It's two mana for a lord, which is, you know, all the goblin lords cost three. You don't have to sacrifice your threes for this. The good twos are much harder to find. And then it just is a good card as a lord in a regular goblins deck. And then in any deck that's doing busted goblin sacrificing stuff with skirk prospectors and mogwar marshals and things like that and goblin tokens and whatever it just sits there and is generating value and it's really good i think the best part about this card i like this card a lot i'm really big on goblins it also won a challenge this weekend by the way oh yeah i saw that in modern yeah in modern yeah that's so I, i'm not sleeping on this card no do not it's good uh, it does it does both of the things like you don't have to split up your deck into like a discrete attacky pile and value and pile. pile it yeah. just like does both all at the same time yeah no it's good it's a good card i i'm a huge fan of goblins i hope they keep printing them so i can play this card in standard and because i would love like some of the f- <laughs> one of my most memorable stretches of magic where i was like really enjoying myself was playing elves with Vengevine mm-hmm. in standard. <laughs> and I, I just I just really enjoy playing that deck. Yeah. Uh, and I would like it to be reasonable for me to play a Synergy Tribal deck again, you know? Yeah, and I think this does a lot. And in modern, there just are good Goblins cards that you can play together. However, do you want to go heavy combo-y? Like, do you want to really lean into Bogart Harbinger combo? Do you just want to play more value and be a munitions expert deck whatever you want to do like there's a huge variety of goblins to do it with and i think you can you know maybe juke not not even juke but like maybe have a plan that's like yeah i'm a tribal deck that doesn't really care that much about fury and stuff in a way that like most elves decks would and i I think you can do some good work with cards like this while we're talking about goblins too i want to give an honorable mention to sprouting goblin (laughs) uh, which is a one r two two uh, with kicker green, if you kick it, you can do a lay of the land. Just look for a basic and put it in your hand. Oh, a land with a basic land type. So you can get uh, your... yeah, uh, Sorry, a land with a basic land type. Mm-hmm. So you can get a trial with it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Or stomping ground, more likely. Yeah. Uh, and you can pay a red and sack a, tap it and sack a land to draw a card, turning your lands into cards. Mm-hmm. I I don't think this card's like playable, but it is very cool. I really like this card. Mm-hmm. The art is great. He's so happy to be he is very proud of himself yeah just having the time of his life i've been like reading a bunch of mushroom books and watching mushroom documentaries so okay you know this sort of card really appeals to me right now i just think mushrooms are very cool are you an aspiring mycologist no i just like think that they're neat and i'm happy to learn about them from other people's work but i'm not trying to do my own research or anything did you learn that mushrooms saved the world well, like life isn't possible without much without fungi. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then my number one, which I don't think is actually like a better card long term than Runvelt Horde Master, but I think it is the best standard, the best red standard card in the set, which is Elder Dragon War. Okay. 
Uh, this is two red red for a saga with Rita Head. I, I think Rita Head is just such a good mechanic for these sagas. It just really... A lot of times you have a saga in hand, you're like, yeah, this is a great value card, but ugh, I'm like suffering from getting beat down and I can't wait turns to like eke the value out of this card. I need the good and and it could be really awkward, but read ahead lets you adapt the card to the game state in ways that are really powerful and it just makes a lot of these cards more appealing. This one is uh, four mana. Chapter one deals two damage to each creature and each opponent. Chapter 2, discard any number of cards and draw that many cards. Chapter 3, create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. Just having this modal like sweeper thing that then creates value and also does it in a specifically good way that lines up really well with other... Now you can discard cards and put whatever reanimation target or whatever in your graveyard you want and do that with only good playable cards between like uh liliana fable of the mirror breaker elder dragon war restoration of a ganja you just have all these ways to put a card in your graveyard to reanimate without ever playing a bad card Una's in your brawler. deck. yeah no more unas brawlers exactly and that's really nice and this also just you know you've got your however you can play your specific removal spells and then just, oh no, I played against a control deck and I have Doom Blades in my hand. Well, good. I have four Fable of the Mirror Breakers and four Elder Dragon Wars to get rid of them. And I think that's a really good core of deck building. So I think this card's going to see a lot of play. Yeah, I, I don't have this one on my list because I think its playability ends abruptly at standard. Yeah, I agree. But I do think it is quite good at standard. Yeah. Yeah, so if I were to start my red, my number five, I have a, almost all the same cards as you. Some different ones. Number five is Phoenix Chick, our favorite little firebird. Mm -hmm. Number four is Squee Dubious Monarch. Uh, I still kind of believe in this card. It does already have a result. It won the Legacy Challenge. Oh, yeah, I think Squee is totally fine. I just yeah. was excited about other things. Oh, no, yeah. it's Squee is... I'll read the card real quick. I did read it last week, and I think even the week before that, but... <laughs> Uh, Squee is a 2 and a red 2-2 two, two legendary goblin noble with haste. Uh, whenever it attacks, you make a 1-1 one, one goblin token that's also attacking, and you can cast from your graveyard by exiling 4 cards and paying 3 and a red. So it's got escape 4 for 4, and it, it makes goblins while attacking. It's mostly just a hard-to-deal-with creature. And that I, I think has a little bit of value attached to it. The number of opposing Lilianas that you're going to face makes this card a lot better than it would be otherwise. You also don't have to play very many of this card in mm -hmm. order to get a lot of mileage out of it because uh, the card is not very strong on face value and it doesn't do anything in multiples. Mm -hmm. So by just playing one or two, you get a you can get a lot of use out of that one or two copies and the way that goblin plays especially with uh, the horde master mm -hmm. is the more goblins you make and fodder you create the more cards you're drawing and having access to and squee does that without being a card you are expending itself sure yeah i, I think it'll definitely do some stuff my number three is runevelt horde master just an excellent goblin lord i really hope i can play it in standard uh, my number two is a weirdo oh uncommon it's fires of victory the the number of times that i've been delighted to cast this card in limited I, I think it's got some room in standard for sure so this is the one in a red for an instant uh, it deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equals the number of cards in your hand if you kicked it for two in a blue you draw a card 
So it's either two mana, you know, deal some damage equal to the cards in your hand, or five mana, do that plus draw a card. Mm -hmm. The reason I brought this up is because uh, Daniel Goschel played a Phoenix challenge uh, and got into the top four with his Phoenix deck in Pioneer. And he played, I think, two copies of this card, and he said it really impressed him. Like, it did a lot of what he needed the card to do while maintaining that, like, card flow you needed. Yeah, I that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it does a lot of specific stuff, like, kills an Adeline on turn two, while also just, like, being a fine card for a lot of different game states. Yeah, and it, it, it was nice. Yeah. I like it. Oh, also the card, I read the card a little weird, but it is worded such that... You draw the card you, first, yeah. You draw the card first, so you're not just, like, wasting your kicker if you choose to kick it. And this does hit Planeswalkers, too. So th there's just a lot of stuff that it answers really nicely. I, I'm into this one for sure. Yeah, I, I, I like this card. And my number one is Jaya, Fiery Negotiator. Hmm. Cool. I'm not as... I, I'm still high on it. I really like the card. I think it will see play, especially in standard and pioneer mm -hmm. i think it's just in a good spot for that it, it does different stuff than chandra which makes it worth including right even though you know i would put run horde master at number one if i could you know definitely make it good i mean it's it's the only one on this list that like has legacy potential for whatever that's worth you know that kind of thing i think it has modern potential depending on the number of goblins i mean goblins oh, did just win a challenge yeah and i mean i think it has more modern potential than like most of the you know any of these other cards most of the cards yeah, yeah. It has the highest ceiling for, like, ultimate effect on the game of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, red's fun. Red has a lot of good cards in it. Yeah, and they're they're mostly cool as hell, so. Mm -hmm. Moving on to green, which I had a little bit more of a trouble with. So my number five is Defiler of Vigor. Mm -hmm. This is a 3GG 6-6 six, six Phyrexian Worm with Trample. Five mana for a 6-6 six, six Trampler. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, as an initial cost to cast green permanent spells, you can pay two life, and those spells cost green less. If you paid life this way, it only affects, reduces the amount of green mana you pay once. So yes. to sum that up, you can turn one of your green mana symbols into a Phyrexian green mana symbol. And only on, on every permanent one of your spells. permanent yes. spells. <laughs> Which is much more relevant on the blue one in this cycle, where like... I, oh, okay. I can only do it with blue creatures. And yeah, stuff. it really sucks. Boy, this this feels less playable now that I realize that. It's also that. a four three for five mana. So yeah, that Oof. one's tough. Uh, but the green one is huge. Like it's six mana for or five mana for six six mm -hmm. with the cost reduction effect in a color that wants to play a bunch of permanents, and it has the text whenever you cast a green permanent spell, you put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. So once this thing is in play, they're dead very quickly. Oh yeah. <laughs> This thing does not mess around. It wants you to end the game immediately. Yeah. And it's not hard to cast multiple green permanent spells uh, in one turn when you're cost reducing them like this. And if you're sandbagging a little bit, it's not that hard to cast one the turn you cast this and get an immediate effect, especially, you know, in Pioneer with like Oath of Nyssa and Lanowar Elves, like it's very possible to just do that and get counters yeah. out of it. Play a five mana thing. Or play this, then play it one drop for two life, and then you're good. Yeah. And it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. Definitely fits more into something like the, you know, Steel Leaf Champion type Stop aggressive green. green piles than the, uh, than the, you know, it doesn't do anything in the mono green deck we've mostly been seeing. But there's something there in, like, Pioneer. And also in Standard, 
like the six six is gigantic and maybe this just kind of does something in a like me medium-sized creature deck there's some various medium-sized green creatures in this set it would not surprise me if people just make a green like stompy style deck because mm-hmm. there's some some sweet stuff but mostly uh i just think that like having a cost reduction card on such a huge creature that ends the game so fast is definitely going to be good and standard i don't know if it sees play outside of that but yeah Unfortunately, even though our werewolf set is still in standard, werewolf pack leader is no longer in standard. So can't quite combo the one of the best green two drops we've ever seen with this sort of strategy. It wasn't meant to be. Unfortunate. My number four is Quirion Beastcaller. It's a one and a G2-2. Dryad Warrior. Uh, whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it. And when... Quirion Beastcaller dies, you distribute X plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control, where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Quirion Beastcaller. So it's got this weird di- distribution modular thing mm-hmm. when it dies. Uh, and then it just grows over time. It's like pretty good for a two drop. Yeah. It works on specifically creature spells, not like green permanent spells or whatever. So you can play this in outside of mono green. But mostly I just see it as like, you know, a two drop that gets big. Yeah, and they probably have to deal with it at some point, and it's, like, fine. And if you are playing a hardened scale strategy, then it's, like, a terrifying threat, so. It also happens to combo with Defiler Vigor. If somehow they're not dead and they kill all your stuff, you get to distribute some counters among the things you have left. (laughs) Hardened Scales is a permanent that costs one green mana. Cast that for free. (laughs) You kind of want the scales in play before you get your defiler vigor into play though yeah the 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 defiler vigor if you go defiler vigor hard scales you put a bunch of plus one one counters on your creatures and then hard scales it's it's not the best (laughs) but if you still add another one you know who knows whatever it's it's funny yeah it i mean if you're casting at hard skills for free and you already have on the board you're just you're you're in business wow amazing that is a five drop though so i don't know i don't know if it'll be five drop hardened scalesing once they give us walking ballista back who knows like the doors are unlocked i'm ready i'm i'm a big fan of the ozolith that card is so cool yeah for sure uh, my number three is land of war loam speaker mm-hmm. this is one of g for a one three elf druid you could tap it for a mana of any color or you can tap it to make a land you control a three three elemental creature with haste until end of turn you can activate that ability only as a sorcery and it's still a land. Relevantly, this is really good in Just Guy Sentency. <laughs> yes. Yep. I think that's the that's main. Like, this is a fine standard mana guy or whatever with some additional upside. But yeah, yeah that's like two that's mana mana guys are like pretty bad or mediocre most of the time. They have to have like hex proof right. in order to to make the cut. I think a lot of the time, like Paradise Druid or Sylvan's Carry to. Uh, but in Pioneer, mm-hmm. because of the way Just Guy Sentency works. Uh, this guy making your lands into creatures gives you so much more mana per spell you cast while just being a generic mana dork before that. Yeah. It's very strong Yeah, for that deck specifically. Yeah. And and honestly I, may just put it back on the map in Pioneer. I can see it. Uh, and I think really encourages you to also run to go a little harder on that like enabling your mana guy immediately and probably encourages you to run the like one red mana Expert. yeah yeah exactly give it haste and go off immediately yeah give it haste draw card because unlike carry to that card does not have hexproof so you do need to be 
yeah you just can't just rely on it surviving all the time right uh, my next cards are a little boring they're kind of what you'd expect <laughs> but they are good uh, number two is Terra Sunder, which is a one in a green instant exile target artifact or enchantment it has kicker for one in a b if you kicked it you can exile up to exile target non-land permanent instead so it's an exile disenchant or an exile, exile anything. Other end. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's just great it's just like, good honestly i've seen decks without access to black mana play this just because it exiles the card <laughs> right it's like a fine sideboard card like sometimes you need a sideboard card that is a disenchant and answers worm coil engine and like this does that and it coincidentally like if you have access to black mana which honestly is really easy nowadays with all the treasures mm-hmm. you just can kill stuff like with your sideboard card and it's really good yeah i i think this is just very strong like this is probably the most ubiquitously playable green card in the entire set mm-hmm. uh, but it's not number one because it's not sexy enough <laughs> i think i probably know what your number one is then oh you want to guess what it is 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 it leaf crowned visionary it is leaf crowned visionary <laughs> it's an elf druid for gg and it's a one one other elves you control get plus one plus one uh, whenever you cast an elf spell you can pay a green if you do draw a card as with goblins elves has also done very well in legacy event <laughs> well i guess modern was the goblins format but this has already performed in the elf stack and legacy <laughs> like it, it's just good yep yeah the i mean heritage druid nettle sentinel all the good elves stuff you it just chains your tech together so well yeah it's like a worse glimpse but it's a glimpse on an elf body which is yeah. just gigantic it's also more copies it's it's way worse than clips of nature because you have to pay for every creature spell you can't just like you know pay a green mana and just have your huge value turn you do have to pay for these yeah. elf card draws somehow mm-hmm. but having access to basically el- elvish visionaries on crack with these leaf crown visionaries mm-hmm. is really strong for your value plan of game el- your value plan for elves and then when you're done with your value turn, you realize your value turn included a lord and you just have like 20 power in play. Yeah. Well, it probably included like multiple lords. You probably hit another one of these along the way. And like, yeah, you're just gigantic at that point. Yeah. And so they have to deal with that while you're they're still under the threat of Glimpse of Nature and Natural Order, mm-hmm. which is super, super good access to attack on. Elves already has like a lot of good stuff going forward in Legacy right now. People are trying different stuff. So it is nice to see them get another tool. I'm not as hopeful for elves in Pioneer as I am for goblins mm-hmm. because there's just like, like Elvish Arch Druid isn't in Pioneer and it was one of the better elf cards. Yeah. Whereas goblins well, has you also don't have for some reason. Nettle Sentinel and, you know, yeah, and Heritage Her- Her- Druid. Like you Druid. can't, which are the cards that make this effect so powerful because you just get that fast mana coming in if you hit the right, the right elves. And that's just not a thing you can do at all in Pioneer. Yeah, I mean, I would take Birch Lord Interest, too. We sure. just don't have that either. Yeah, it's a weird one. It has Morph, so that's a tough one to put in <laughs> anywhere in particular. I do, I do love it when I see people morph that creature on coverage. The last time I saw it was against a Phyrexian. What was the the Plague, plague Engineer? Yeah. It was plague engineer. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like Leaf Crown Visionary. card's good. Yep, I agree. It's in an existing deck already, you know. 
It's home run. Yeah, that's an easy one. My green ones, my number five is kind of a tie between Defiler of Vigor and Silverback Elder. It's there's okay. There's three solid green cards that all like have a triggered ability off of you casting a creature spell, which is or or basically like trigger off of that. I guess Defiler of Vigor is when a you know a permanent spell or whatever, but like they're all kind of the same thing. It's like cast some creatures while this is in play. So it's like a very strong theme for green right here. I was also deciding between Silverback Elder and which I'll let you read in a second. Yeah. And Defi- and Defiler. The reason I went with Defiler was like, eh, it makes spells cheaper. Right. So I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> I am sympathetic to that particular way of approaching it. Uh and I I think there's more upsides to Defiler, especially because of like the power of it with Lanawar Elves, Elvish Mystic, Oath of Nyssa stuff to just immediately do things. But Silverback Elder is two green, green, green for a 5-7, which is just really big. Uh, and whenever you cast a creature spell, choose one. Destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tap. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, or you gain four life. So definitely really strong effects that can kind of take over a game when you untap with it. I, I think like one of the things holding me back from being super into this card is like, there are a healthy number of matchups where like you're not actually doing anything proactive here. Yeah, that that's where another point where this shines. Like Defiler is a big creature with trample that makes things big. Mm-hmm. This card is a lot of value, but it doesn't actually add power onto the board. Like you're not putting tokens into play or right. generating creatures. You're like looking for lands and destroying artifacts or enchantments and gaining life and all the stuff that's like auxiliary to playing the game, but doesn't actually close it out yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what, you know, putting, are we putting a bunch of Nykthoses into play or something with this? <laughs> Unlikely that that's the case. Certainly as like a sideboard card or depending on the format, just playing it and then you play against any aggressive deck and then it's just like all of my creature spells gain me for life. Well, they're not going to beat that. So unless they brutal catharsis or whatever, which is a very real possibility. So you have to be... <laughs> planning for that but you know there's something here it's gigantic it has seven toughness for five mana i don't know it never like loses a fight in combat but i definitely do think defiler vigor has higher upside as the kind of the same five mana creature slot that requires you to cast stuff with it in play to really get there it's wild that both of these are in the same set it it is really weird also silverback elder is the most regal ape i have ever seen very noble looking absolutely with his tree staff and everything yeah i don't know if it's a staff or he's just like holding a tree to be honest yeah it's it's definitely giving those like scepter vibes though it's very cool yeah my number four is the world spell just like grabbing all of these sagas i think that they there's just a ton of potential to most of them a big reader yes five green green so a seven mana saga with read ahead chapters one and two are you look at the top seven cards of your library you may reveal a non-saga permanent card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order and chapter three is put up to two non-saga permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield so this is kind of like a tooth and nail equivalent sort of thing uh it requires you to be running this as a seven mana spell and then you know titan of industry or whatever as additional expensive spells in your deck but 
I, I think this is just like the parameter for the format that's like, this is the biggest thing available. So you can start here and if people are doing mid-rangey mid stuff and you're doing the world spell and your deck functions, then you will beat them. And then that sort of just like is making the rules for the sizing of the format. And you always want to know what the biggest thing is. We don't have time walk combos in this format, so here it is. Yeah, we're going to have to circle back to this one when I get to my other section. Because mm -hmm. I did have this card in mind when I was looking at other stuff. Sure. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I think there is some potential there. If we can cast seven mana spells and you can have a deck that's kind of dense on them, then this thing can do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. My number three is Terrace Under. I love the flexibility of it. I think it's just a really good removal spell that is just is great number two is lanoir loam speaker mostly for that just guy ascendancy synergy but also it's just going to see standard play because it's a fine mana guy that whatever has three toughness and then my number one is leaf crown visionary for obvious reasons that we talked about earlier green green gets kind of samey up at the top yeah <laughs> the a couple of these cards are very obviously good yeah all right talk me through oh uh, yeah section, so my other the section. remainder so i didn't really come up with like cool stuff there was nothing that was like the world spell related so i'm i'm excited to see which ones you picked out my number five i put inscribed tablet because i hate myself so this really is, why do you hate yourself i just because like i shouldn't put this on there right and i'm never gonna play a deck with it because i like hate all of the decks that would run it but this is a one mana artifact with one and sacrifice it you look at the top five cards of your library can choose a land from it put it in your hand this is just like a way of playing a kind of like ancient stirrings ish analog in a deck that can't make green mana or can't make colored mana at all. It's not something that I want to do, but if you really want to play an Eldrazi Temple Tron deck, this is a way of adding additional consistency to your deck. And I don't know that there's any application outside of that. It's unlikely that it, you know, it's artifact typing makes it a thing you want to use as like a cantrippy artifact with your synergies there because it also if you miss on the top five you get to draw a card so that's nice you never fully miss so notably i don't want to comment on that real quick mm -hmm. because the way the card is worded you reveal the top five cards in your library right so there has to be actual no land card yes in there for you to draw a card you can't just be like look at the top five oh i whiffed Right. Fail to find. Aha. Uh -huh. Draw a card. You can't do that. It would be, would be pretty nice if you could just draw a card if you didn't want to land, but it's not not that generous. Yeah, you 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 show all the cards to your opponent. Your opponent's like, I see a land there. You, you're going to have to take that one. Okay. You can't just like shove him back into your deck and be like, nope, nope, nothing to see here. So I'm not really interested in playing this card, but I can see that there may be some decks that want it in older formats in particular. My number four is a Johnny Sleeper Agent. Oh no, you put this on your list? Come on. I, I don't think this card's playable. I don't think it's good, but I just think it does have some amount of potential because it costs three mana, is green-white, has plus one plus one counter synergies, and can be cast off of an elf. And that's enough things that I think that it's worth looking at. So it's one, a green, a white and a green-white Phyrexia mana hybrid. It's a completed Planeswalker, so if you pay the life cost, it has two less loyalty. But it starts at four if you paid four mana. It starts at two if you paid three mana. 
plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom. Minus three, distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. Minus six, you gain an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. I don't think this is a great card, but in a potential like green and white, like hardened scales deck that is playing elves, I think that it could play a pretty significant role. In particular, shoring up matchups that those decks are pretty weak to. An opponent that's running a bunch of removal spells can be pretty tough for a deck like that, but this can help make up for cards like can can help make up cards and then also that minus three when you have any hardened scales effect out is very strong so i think i i could see it specifically there i don't think it's a really powerful card or anything we're gonna have to circle back to that in like a year Mm -hmm. because the whole elf into green white card sounds great but there's no brush yeah yeah for sure for sure it's it's just not doable right now but in my head i'm like brushland is coming so but you're right right now you just can't do it and i i actually think this card's very weak even despite then Mm -hmm. like i get you probably want more copies of nissa vastwood seer and this could act like that kind of effect in a hardened scales deck Mm -hmm. uh nissa vastwood seer is the the three mana nissa i think uh nissa vastwood seer is the one that is a borderland ranger right okay and i want what is it nissa voices you want nissa voices endicar yeah okay Sorry, I don't know. There's so many Nessas, I get them confused. But like, I get you want the plant Nessa mm-hmm. way more than any other Planeswalker in your playing card scales. And this could be extra copies of that card. Yeah. But I don't know if what Ajani gives you, even being a faux Nessa, is still worth playing. Sure. Because if in that slot, if you just want more counters, I think there's your deck is full of that. So it in terms of getting card advantage there's got to be something better you can do that's there just has to be that's very possible i i don't think this card is very good at all i don't think it's very good but okay i don't think it's any good at sure all. <laughs> i i do think there's something to that flexibility between being three and four mana and i don't know i i don't think it's horrible my number three is belmore battle mage captain which is let me just actually read the text of this i card. got this one this one's a blue and a red 1-3. Legendary Bird Wizard with flying. Uh, whenever you cast an answer or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0, oh, and gain trample until end of turn. So this is very powerful with Young Pyromancer. It's also just like, it represents a fair amount of power if you're casting spells in your blue-red deck and have anything else in play. Like, that's a lot. On its own, it does some amount of damage. I, I don't think it's crazy powerful or anything but there's some nice little synergies there i'm i'm kind of into it especially as just a two mana creature yeah it reminds me of the other blue red lord from dominaria mm-hmm. that was like three mana at least the cinder wind sure flying haste whenever you cast dance or shorty spell all your wizards get plus plus one yeah this is just what that card wanted to be it's just better yeah, in every way this one's two mana yeah and it's it doesn't it's not wizard specific so it works really well with young pyromancer almost kind of like lanhorn lone speaker only works with jeskai ascendancy yeah this card is way better with pyromancer than without it like i don't think you'll see the cards apart yeah my number two is urtai resurrected this is two blue black for three two flash when it etbs 
you can destroy a creature or counter a spell and then they draw a card this is just really obnoxious it's very flexible it's very good if you have any sort of blinking effects it can just like make it impossible for your opponent to kind of play the game it does whatever if your opponent got on board you can kill the creature and maybe block something else obviously giving your opponent's cards matters but i don't i i think that it can just like turn tides pretty well I, I think this card is quite good and then if you have any blinking going on you can just make your opponent unable to play magic yeah i i think this card's very good especially for a standard context yeah i'd be interested to see where it lands in pioneer like if decks can leverage it right but anytime your opponent is like casting a four mana spell and you're doing this to it like them drawing a card isn't that big of a deal and then it also if you do manage to if they get something into play it can mop things up and just it's strong mm -hmm. uh and then my number one is not to like steal your thunder with your excitement about this card but my number one is mary a scholar of antiquity i i'll let I you know what's written down on the sheet yeah i just don't actually like this card that i had at number one and i had kind of like forgotten about maria until i remembered it i i had put soul of wind grace because it like did stuff but i think it's like pretty bad and i'm not ever excited to be playing a soul of wind grace deck so i don't actually want it on my list uh i was just like reaching for like playables and stuff in in the other category but then i remembered that maria existed and so maria one green red for a 3-3. Tap and untap non-token artifact you control to add green. Tap two untap non-token artifacts you control. Exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. I mean, I'll let you like talk through this one, but I think this card just has absolutely the highest ceiling of like almost any card in the set for like adding yeah, a deck sure. to magic, basically. Yeah, it's already people are already working on it in Pioneer. I've seen a bunch of mostly Paradox Engine focused decks. Sure. Uh, with like teamer kind of deal mm -hmm. where you can you know basically just play miria user as a ramp engine and put a card or paradox engine in play and then just kill your opponent because you make so much mana mm -hmm. miria with paradox engine both makes a bunch of mana and can draw you cards to fuel the paradox engine so you don't actually need that much to get going right <laughs> you just need like you know four artifacts in play pretty much mm -hmm. and you're off to the races yeah and you'll often get much more than that you can't put tokens in your like artifact tokens don't do anything for you mm -hmm. so you do need you know a good number of actual factual artifacts right that mostly means that this isn't really a underworld cookbook combo card is right yeah which is too bad because it's like nice colors for that like if you could play finale of devastation as more underworld cookbook and that like that would be that's a nice base for a deck if that worked but it doesn't work no, and I'm I'm looking up a list that I saw. Uh, one of my favorite ones was with the Reality Chip mm -hmm. and Kenan Bonder Prodigy, sure. which doubles the amount of mana you make off of mana abilities. Yeah, that aren't produced by lands. Uh, so with both the Reality Chip and Miria, you can look at the top card of your library. You can tap the Reality Chip while it's equipped to something for mana, and cast the cards off top. If you hit something you don't want to cast or can't, you can exile with Miria. And just like keep going that way that's it's a really neat comp that's really sick also like note the number of legends in there mox amber becomes just like yeah, a, it's a card like yeah kenan kenan mox amber are like glued at the hip yeah. you can't play one without the other right right uh the reality ship also legendary card and raise a legendary card like maria a lot going on maria gives 
you multiple ways to make mana with your mox amber so beautiful yeah you can make red or green wow Oof. and blue with kennen and the reality chip mm -hmm. it's a, a teamer mox no kind of box has that kind of power i'm very psyched for maria yeah i i love maria also everyone's playing collector of tamio collector of tales in their hmm. uh, sideboards of the maria decks because liliana is such a force now uh, i saw a screenshot today of a Tamiyo collector, not today, it was a while ago, like uh, when the set released, there was a Tamiyo collector of tales, which is the War of the Spark one. Uh, it was in a Liliana ultimate pile while the opponent was choosing, you know, which piles would be sacrificed or not. Uh, and unfortunately, <laughs> Do Tamiyo does not allow work. you yeah. to sacrifice permanence. Do not <laughs> so, ult your Liliana when your opponent has a Tamiyo in play. What happened was that they spent, you know, a good portion of their time dividing piles among permanents and then nothing happened yeah. after it. <laughs> also, yeah, I, I like Mario. Also, anytime you plus your Liliana when your opponent has a Tamiyo in play, you're just plussing to discard a card, which is not not so good. Oh, it's miserable. <laughs> I don't I don't know what they're doing. But whatever. Yeah, Mary's great. She's my number one uh, to give it away. I'm really looking forward to playing a bunch of copies with her I, I wish i liked her stained glass art a little more because mm -hmm. i would like to have fancy versions of it but i actually just prefer the normal art in this particular case i think the normal art is like actively pretty good though so it's i think it's very good yeah i'm into it all right i'm gonna go to my other category also shout out to paint lens obviously the best you know important cards in the set yeah yeah they're gonna make a huge difference <laughs> blah 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 lands et cetera, pioneer, et cetera. blah blah yep uh, my number five is, and I'm just going to pick stuff you haven't already mentioned. Sure. Plaza of Heroes. This is a wild commander-focused card. Uh, it's a land that taps for a colorless mana. Or you can tap it for a mana of any color, but you can only use that mana to play a legendary spell. Or you can tap it for a <laughs> mana of any color among legendary permanents you control, like a Mox Amber. Or... <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> what? Colorless is not oh it, it is a mox amber in that ability yeah. i see yeah 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 and it, it is funny though because like mox amber is also a legendary permanent but it's not a color so you can't get right. a mana off of it uh, you can also pay three tap and exile it to make a legendary creature gain a hexproof and indestructible until no turn this card's like a fringe playable card until they unban Kethis from playing. <laughs> yes, and then it's nuts. <laughs> then it does everything. Like, this card taps for generic mana, which is irrelevant mostly, but, it, I mean, it can't come up. Then you can cast any of your legendary spells off of it, and once you've done that, you can then tap for actual mana to cast your actual non-legendary spells as long as they share a color with your legends in play. This it's is, really, really flexible. This land has for that four kind of activated abilities on it. It sure does, yeah. Um, I actually... Also, like this land, once your deck has Emery and Maria in it, and like mostly colorless spells as the rest of your deck, like this land's just really good if that's your deck, right? And Reality Chip yeah. is your other colored spell. Like that's well, so I'm really gonna ratch. I'm gonna like buy some of these and then really just step up my campaign for unbanning Kathos and Pioneer. Yeah, fair enough. Like a workable mana base now. Triumphs exist too. Like whoa, in business. Yeah. Um, uh, outside of that very leash scenario i don't really know where we're putting it but it does have a lot of abilities like you could probably fit it somewhere i think it legitimately is a great land when you're 
you're when under those constraints like even in the maria deck we were talking about earlier that was a mock saber deck yeah that's what i'm saying like all it's all it's all colorless all your colored spells are legends all your other spells are colorless artifacts like this land is just like command tower but better this is one of those cards where you see like an image on twitter that's being spoiled and you're like oh a card from the commander set okay whatever and that's just like not yeah this, it has the word legendary on it like four times but it's just not in the commander set this is one of the ones that like reverse gets you because it's always a card that's like oh wow that four mana creature is like very good oh we we don't get that this is just like is obviously not a standard card but it's in the standard part of the set gotta have something mm-hmm. uh, my number four is timeless lotus uh this is a five mana legendary artifact Enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it to add Wooberg to your mana pool. Uh, this is what I had in mind when we were world spelling. Sure. Uh, because relevantly to Fairy, who sets the sunset exists. Who slows so you the can, sunset. Slow, sorry, who slows the sunset. I'm yes. sorry. But this sun is did really good, the turn after you cast it to Fairy, who slows the sunset, yeah. Yeah, it's extremely good. Like It's basically a free group. It is a free card if you just untap it with the fairy mm-hmm. right after. And then any turn you're doing after that, you have access to so much mana. You can do so many things. Like, and that's the kind of really grindy, a lot of color fest style deck that mm-hmm. standard, I think, can really benefit from existing <laughs> because it's a, one of those that's like really good in mid range decks, but just loses to mono red, which is perfect. Yes. Yeah. It, you can't just be a Fable of the Mirror Breaker theme deck if somebody is putting this Lotus that makes five mana, that taps for five mana in their deck. Like, yeah, and that's this is the kind of thing I had in mind when we were a world spelling because I want to be able to cast things mm. that keep letting you have like oomph, sure, all the way into the game. Yeah, that makes sense. Just never run a gas ever. <laughs> <laughs> like you're playing Reclamation, but with like a bunch of bad cards instead of good ones. Sounds fantastic to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Reclamation's busted. Right. We don't actually want that to happen ever again, so it was one of the less fun moments in Standard. Uh, My number three, and again, I'm skipping a bunch of cards because I want to talk about things we haven't yet, Mm -hmm. would be Baird, Argivian Recruiter. Mm. This is a red-white 2-2, legendary human soldier. The beginning of your instep, if you control a creature with power greater than its base power, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. Uh, I just thought about this card for the heroic deck uh, because one of the places it can have some issues is when you your creatures are dealt with. Uh, so being able to play a card that like anytime you have a creature with a plus one plus one counter on it, that is a creature that's higher power than its base. It doesn't need to be bared specifically that has that. Mm-hmm. So you can generate creatures that, granted, aren't great. Like, they're not your heroic stuff. Yeah. But they let you use your garbage pump spells in a way to actually <laughs> do something. I think this is mostly, like, a sideboard card. It's probably fine as a two-mana creature. I was kind of thinking about it for standard. Like, it's nice if your deck has enough of that stuff and, like, you know, Kumano faces Kakazan puts a plus one, plus one counter on things and... There's some spots for it. It costs two mana. It is kind of difficult to make red white in a sta- an ag- aggressive standard deck. So I don't know if that ever really comes to pass, but it, it's okay. This card's fine. And then my other two are just the cards we've already talked about: Urtai Resurrected, and my favorite card, Miria. Sure. 
had to wait until all the way to the last card to get to Mary. I know. I know. Got the chance to talk about it. I It's the card that I think is the most exciting in the set. It just like cr- creates new decks, and that's really cool. Yeah, I've already ordered my copies. I don't know what I'm doing with them yet. Doesn't but, matter. You, know. you will do something with them. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on Dominaria? It's a neat set. I, I think there are a bunch of like kind of inspiring cards in it so i'm excited to see where things go this sounds weird to me like it's got a while to play out in constructed Mm -hmm. but like looking at the whole set it's got a lot of uh invasion vibes to it and we're about to go into the whole you know here's all the artifact stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is really weird but yeah interesting yeah the the domain mechanic really didn't hit for me either, like certainly not with constructed applications, but really weird limited implementation as well. So th- there's definitely some odd stuff about this set, but they packed in enough cool cards that, you know, I think it'll have a fun impact on the various constructed formats. And I think introducing Liliana to Pioneer is probably just an actively fantastic thing. It remains to be seen if it's too good for a standard, but who knows? I don't think so. Probably like, not. You just have to play honestly, more squeeze and stuff and it'll be fine. Honestly, if it is, like, there's... They've done such terrible job with Standard over the past several years that it's just a drop of the bucket at this point. Yeah. Like, what are people going to say? It's unbelievable that they got Standard wrong for the first time in <laughs> a month. Right, we I just don't, I don't know. keep not playing Standard, I guess. Right. <laughs> I mean, people are going to have to because of the Tharsis. But it's mm-hmm. not quite time yet. Yeah. Yeah, we got some time. Yeah, I don't have anything in particular. I think we filled out our time pretty nicely this episode. Oh, yeah. And we got some Pioneer stuff in there, too. Yep. And we will continue having some Pioneer stuff, uh, you know, until morale improves. Yeah. Let's get some Myriad decks in the challenges. Y'all, come on. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could you could give that a shot. Yep. That's it. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. I don't have anything in particular to wrap this show up with. So have a great Just week. Have a wonderful week, you know, and remember that today, several days after you're listening to it was my birthday. Yes. Actually, that's the thing I was going to plug. Wish Leah happy birthday on Twitter. That's that's your quest. Yeah. From the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See y'all. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>